Peace of Christ to you all. That was good, good, good practicing of uh, reconciliation uh, with with one another. You may be um, looking at you know the, the title this week. It's the same as the title last week. You know, did um, uh, we just forget to change the the title and we're just sort of working it in there or what? Why exactly did we uh, we do that? Um, and and really, it was on purpose. We wanted to to keep the title about reconciliation because um, the the cross and the power of the cross, what the, the, the shed blood of Jesus accomplishes is reconciliation between us and God and us and one another. I mean, there is no separation between the two, as we'll see in our passage. It is one act of reconciliation that Jesus accomplishes with his death on the cross that reconciles us with God and us with one another. All walls are torn down in Jesus and so as we, we think about our own relationship with God and how we've been reconciled with God, um, Pastor Dennis you know, outlined wonderfully last week and how we are justified. That we're, we, we're made righteous with God. We're, we're sinners, but being justified means we're, we're made righteous. That, that in this reconciliation, Jesus takes our place. There's a substitution where he takes he gets what we deserve and we get what he deserves. There is redemption that he purchases us. He buys us our, our freedom, even not only from the guilt of slavery, but even its power over us. And that he enacts our forgiveness. That all of our, our debts are wiped clean and that we then are reconciled with the father but not just reconciled sort of in a peaceful relationship but we're reconciled as sons and daughters that we become children of the king we become royalty so we've we've moved through from justification to, to being children of god we've moved from being despicable prisoners to sin and death to now being Children of the king. Royalty. Go ahead and show that, that, that picture. I mean, we, we move from one to the other. That's the power of the cross. In one fell swoop brings us all into the throne room of such opulence and beauty. And, and that means when we look at one another, what we see are children of the king. We see royalty. You're sitting next to kings and queens of God's kingdom. You're, you're, you're sitting next to princes and princesses. You didn't, didn't you realize that? But that's the power of the cross. It, it is real. A number of you are like, whoa, man, can I have your autograph now? Or, you know, you, you, don't, you don't smell like a king, but <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, but that's the reality. That is the power of the cross. That, that not just makes us where we get along with each other, but now we are brothers and sisters, children of the king and heirs of the kingdom. Royalty together. There is no cross that only tears down some walls. 
There is no gospel that only tears down some walls. Okay, there, it, is, it is a denial of the power of the cross if we just focus on last Sunday. It's a denial on the, of the power of the cross if we just focus on our reconciliation with one another. They are, as we've been saying, they're the two blades on a pair of scissors. There is, you separate them, you no longer have scissors. You, know, you separate them, you no longer have the gospel. You no longer have the power of the cross. They are that intertwined. There there is no cross that just unites in Jesus some kind of people. It's all kinds of people who are committed to Jesus are united together in one body as royalty with one another because of the power of the cross. That's the reconciliation that we live in and the power of the cross. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of your truth. And now we we ask that your spirit would help us hear, um, would help us to to apply. We don't want to just be hearers of the word and fools. We want to be hearers and doers and wise. So let your spirit soften our hearts, open our minds, so that that we might truly live into the, the fullness of the power of the cross individually and as a community. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, um, we're, we're going to start um, with uh, verse um, 11 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. It's on page 950 in your, your pew Bible. And we'll read through really most of chapter 2. What, what's in- interesting is that, you know, the, the first part um, uh, that's uh, verses 1 through 10 is, is a lot more about our reconciliation with, with God. And, and verses 8 through 10 are probably some of the most familiar passages um, you know, in Scripture where we say we're, we're, um, we're saved. Um, it's salvation by works or salvation by grace through faith. Um, that that it's, uh, it's not by works that we're saved. It's a totally, it's a gift from God so that no one can boast. For we're all God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he has prepared for us to do. And usually we stop there. We stop at at verse 10 and we we talk about our reconciliation with God. That we're saved by grace through faith. There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less. And, And that is all true. But that is incomplete when we consider the power of the cross. So, verse um, 11 then, the very, very next verse. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by, by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right, so what, what he's talking about here is the separation between Jew and Gentile. 
Right? I mean, can you think of words any greater than the words we just read that separated the Gentiles from the Jews? I mean, you see what he said. You were, in verse 12, you were without Christ. You were an alien. You were a stranger. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. That, that's the Gentiles, all the Gentiles, and, and it's the, 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 the Jews, the people of Israel, they're over here. They're with God in the world. They're, 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 they're not strangers and aliens. And so the two groups were separated, and, and not just separated spiritually. They were separated with real hatred. I mean, they despised one another. And just as we said last time, there was a huge separation between God and between humans. And in, 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 in reconciliation, it's the power of the cross. It's the blood of Jesus that brings life into that death. That same blood, that same act, then pours into the separation between those two groups of people. And brings life where there is death. Between the Jew and between the Gentile. It is now in Christ Jesus that you who are far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. It's, it's not a secondary result. It's not, well, now that you've been brought one to God, well, now you need to be one with each other. It is one and the same act. It can't be separated. It is a denial of the cross. To say, I'm united with God, but not united with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a denial of the cross to not live into my unity with God and my unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it's by His blood that this happens. Alright, look at uh, verse 14. For He is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down to the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. Look look at verse 14 again. It's not that he just makes peace. It's not that he, Jesus, teaches peace. I mean, mean, so he said there's two groups. Paul's clear. There's two groups here. And, And now Jesus is our peace. He is, he doesn't just make it, he doesn't just teach it, he doesn't just lead it, he is it. So in some spiritual way, in the spiritual heavenlies, just as we talked about in the spiritual heavenlies, he was before the Father advocating on our behalf in the same way in the heavenlies, he now has united any group of people as far as you can be apart who connect to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They are now united. Again, what I want to be clear to see here is that this is not just a result of the cross, but it is the blood of Jesus that accomplishes this. It is the cross. It's not a secondary element. He is our peace. He has made both groups into one. He has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. 
Yeah, so it's not just a, 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 a difference in where we're, we're, we're from, or it's not just a difference of opinion. There is hostility that he's talking about between these two groups. It has caused a dividing wall. Just as there was a dividing wall between us and God, there's a dividing wall between these two groups of people. And now the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross has abolished that division. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself, again, this is in him, one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. At the cross, in the blood of Jesus, as he abolishes the dividing walls, he abolishes anything that divides. Any, I mean, and if, if these two groups have those divisions, then is there any other set of groups of people that are further divided than the ones he's talking about here? If there, if there are, then are we saying the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to abolish any division that might be between any sets and groups of people? Or is there any group of people that he's left out of what Jesus has made at the cross? And that is one new humanity. There isn't. What's he saying that at the cross, when he, devout, when he totally abolished the hostility between us and God and us and one another, then he abolished any of our preferences and any of our allegiances that are beyond our allegiance and preference for Jesus and Jesus alone. Everything else is abolished. Everything else is gone. Whether it's our tribal, our political, our ethnic, our racial... Our opinions, our preferences, our family, our high school, our college, even our pro sports teams. Those And it's not just they've sort of been set aside. And what does it say here? It says, in his flesh he accomplished this. So it's not just a spiritual notion that he has proclaimed. It is in his death on the cross that he abolished any of those differences. I hope you're getting the point here. (laughs) There is no cross that only takes care of me and Jesus. There is no cross that only takes care of our reconciliation with God. There is only a cross that takes care of our reconciliation with God and all who seek to follow after Jesus. And we become then brothers and sisters in Christ, one new humanity with all of our distinctions now depleted, meaning nothing in Jesus. So how do we get here? Ought to be the question. How how do we get here in the American church being the most segregated, one of the most segregated institutions in our nation? How do we get here? How'd that happen? 
Well, it's that the church, that we, the church of Jesus Christ, stopped at verse 10. We stopped at verse 10. And, and we, didn't, we didn't take the, the fullness of the cross to say that, it, yeah, that our greatest, our only uniting force is Jesus. And we just need to name that. We just need to recognize that. You know, we don't want to get overwhelmed with, with grief or anger or, or whatever it might be that keeps us from saying, keeps us from seeing clearly the truth and walking in the power of the Spirit into that new humanity that Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago. We need, we need to recognize the reality of our history. We need to recognize the stream that we're in as American Christians. I mean, these discussions, now they went on two and 300 years ago. There are laws on the books. This gives you an idea that Christian slaveholders, that's sort of an oxymoron there, isn't it? Um, but grace abounds. But Christian slaveholders, they understood this. And they, they, were, they did all kinds of uh, hermeneutical gymnastics to get around it. And even put, there's discussions, and, and they put laws on the books in different states that if someone became a Christian, it did not change their position on the plantation. Those were the laws that were in the land. They knew, see, they, they knew that when you're, if you're a Christian, that really does change you. That makes you in royalty. How do you enslave royalty? Yeah, that, but that, that was the reality. That's the reality of our history. And we need to recognize that that, that was sin. And we need to call it that and confess that and learn from that. But that And we need to not repeat it. And we need to recognize, whoa, yeah. How do we read through verse 10 and then stop? And then make the rest of it spiritual. You know, the church is just spiritual. You know, it's just a spiritual entity, not a fleshly one. Well, you know, it says here it was in his flesh that Jesus made us one new humanity. So so we, we do need to recognize that reality and the, our own uh, sin that, that missed the application of the cross in the, the church in our history. And say, all right, how do we live into this? That this is true, then how, how do we live into this? How do we live into the blood of Jesus and what it accomplishes? The power of the cross unites all people, no matter what our differences who seek to follow Jesus. It unites us together. Yes, Revelation 5, 9 and 10. I think we've got uh, that one, um, Ian. Um, yeah, that, uh, a picture of uh, the day to come. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slaughtered, and by your blood, he's talking, they're singing to Jesus, by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. See, it's by his blood that he purchased them, he ransomed them. Go ahead, next. Next, yeah. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. So our our journey as a multicultural church, 
seeking to be people of all types that are connected in Jesus no matter our differences is not... It is not a, a desire um, on our part to be politically correct or to live into diversity ch- training or even to, for church growth principle. To say, well, our neighborhood it looks like this, so we need to look like this. That, that's not it. No. It's because this is the power of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that brings all kinds of people together, not just in the same place at the same time on the surface, but unites us as brothers and sisters in depth of relationships, pursuing Jesus together, being one new humanity. That's why. Because it's central. It is essential to the cross and to the gospel. You know, it's, it's interesting. Or if, you, if you think about this, um, you know, we, if, if in my own life with, with God, that God has, has made me holy and made me blameless, as, as we've said, has, has sanctified me, perfected me in Jesus Christ, well then my, my life, the call of my life is now to pursue that, you know, is to intentionally act in growing in that holiness. And when, when God shows me ways that I'm not living in that holiness through you or through others or through the Word or whatever it is, then, then it's my call to, to live into that obedience, right? Let the Spirit flow through me so that I'm changing. The same is true for the church at large. If there is sin and brokenness around us, we don't just say, well, it'll naturally take care of itself. I don't do that for me. We don't do that as a church. No, we intentionally pursue the holiness and purity, the one new humanity that God has called us to. To be that place where His Spirit resides. Verse 18. Or verse 17. So He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him, both of us, have access in one spirit to the Father. See, this, this is a discipleship issue. The, 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 the unity of all kinds of different people following after Jesus together, destroying all social barriers that, by the power of the blood of Jesus is a way that we grow and mature in Him individually and corporately. I um, have a, uh, a video, just an interview from a few folks, a few of us uh, that are here now. Um, uh, actually, uh, maybe uh, three, all four of you are here. So, uh, Zach, and Zach Vanderveen, Joe uh, Brooks, um, Helen Brooks, and Eileen Boyle. Uh, just answering a little question. How has multicultural church, how has that impacted you? Go ahead. Growing as a disciple in Christ means understanding the other, um, including people who don't have backgrounds similar to mine, different uh, upbringings, different um, races, different socioeconomic classes. It's how we understand each other, and it's how we really take to heart the idea of being brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, So I think being a Christ follower um, and being in a multiple, multicultural church, being a Christ follower, it gives you a focal point. And it involves a lot of prayer along those lines. Um, I think 
when you're being a multicultural church and trying to understand others, you have to start to really tackle your own preconceptions, your own views, um, your own life experiences, and kind of reflect on the fact that those life experiences frequently are not shared by others in the community, particularly if they're coming from a different um, background. Um, and that's humbling, and I think that's a good spiritual trait. College Hill has been a blessing to me. You know, when I first came here, you know, it was kind of shaky, you know, come in the front door, reach my hand out, and a guy pulled his hand back and walked to the other side. But just when I walked through them second uh, set of doors, I heard God's voice, and I struggled. I personally struggled, but I'm glad I gave in to his voice because the position he has, me and my wife, and then, you know, had to, you know, meet Drew, you, and just a whole bunch of dynamic people, you know, here to help me grow. And, you know, and for the fact they say I helped them, they don't realize that they've been a blessing in my life. And that's the beautiful thing is we don't all look the same, talk the same, or um, live our lives the same. But Christ is our center. He is our foundation. And that's what we need to look at every step of the way from Worship music to um, even going out and um, being a part of the community. We all need to know. We have to be intentional about our actions. Um, but to know we can enjoy this, even in the long suffering, we can enjoy with one another this journey together. And it wasn't until the listening courses that, you know, I really started doubting what I knew and what I thought to be true. Two of my best friends who are black were in there, and one of them is sitting there, and he starts talking to me about his experiences as a black man, and I share my experiences growing up as a white woman, and it's unfathomable to me what he went through. I cannot even begin to imagine his experience because it was alien to me, you know. Um, for example. This is a man who's an upstanding citizen in the community, has a good job, has a family, owns a house. Um, he still gets stopped in his car by police officers. To me, growing up, police are the good people. You know, you go to them for protection. They are there for your protection. They would never stop me in a car. And I never would have thought he would be stopped because he is a good, upstanding person as well. And hearing him relate that really made me think, I don't know him like I should know him. And so this began my intentional act of encountering and asking the deeper questions and trying to understand where my friends have walked and where, they've, where they're coming from. walk into the power of Jesus that brings us together across all kinds of differences, social constructs that have kept us apart, that have led to there being a white church and a black church and other ethnic churches that continue to, to move forward, where we have neglected, short-armed the power of the blood of Jesus has been to our detriment. And so as we step into it, it's places where we will grow in Christ. And the witness of the gospel will be made clear. Verse 19 of uh, chapter 2. So then, 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. See how he's made the move already from those that are far, aliens, strangers, far apart. And and now, because of the power of the cross, we're fellow citizens. We're fellow children of God. We have become royalty together, built upon that foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the cornerstone. And then get this, verse 21. In him... The whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. It's as we move into the unity we have in Jesus, as we refuse to acknowledge the the walls that our world brings and recognize that Jesus' blood has destroyed the walls that divide us, we become then a place where God dwells. That we become the new temple, not built of bricks, but of flesh and blood. That's the power. Of the blood of Jesus on the cross. We aren't unified by our preferences or common background. background. We're unified by Him. Now, in, in living that out, there, there's we got a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, that that we've got a, a lot lot of history of, of where where we are. That we've got ground to make up in terms of just the 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 divisions in the church, whether they're racial, whether they're economic, or generational. We've lost some ground. But you know what I think? I think in that you know how Jesus said there are going to be greater things. You'll do greater things than me. And, and we pray that. You know, God, you got to do, in your, it's the power of your spirit, you're going to do greater things than, than Jesus did. I think the multicultural church is one of those. If you look, look at the book of Acts, you look at the, the end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, Jesus' church was not, it, it was Jewish. There was some cultural diversity of people from different nations, but it was not until after Pentecost in Acts and then moving through the book of Acts, really not until the church in Antioch in the middle of the book, that then you have a multicultural church that becomes the healthy church that sends Paul and Barnabas to send the missionaries all around the world to take the... It was not out of the Jerusalem church. It was out of the church in Antioch that did that. I think that's one of the things that Jesus is saying, that he has to die and and he has to accomplish, he has to destroy these walls between us and God and one another. He has to do that and then send the Spirit so that then we can live into that spiritual, real, heavenly unity of being one new humanity in Jesus. That's part of what it means for the church to do greater things than Jesus so for today, you know, what does that mean then for us? Well, it means, man, we've got to learn, we've got to listen, we've got to be intentional about this, just as um, uh, folks were sharing on the video. And I think as a church, 
I've said this in first service, and I say it now. I think as a church, we've got to start doing some things together periodically that, that, that help us to learn and listen and grow and step into this one new humanity that we are in Jesus. And, um, you know, it's like uh, what Eileen was sharing, that, that, that as she's been talking with, with uh, black folks in the church, she realizes, man, she grew up in the same city at the same time, just a few miles apart, but it was eons apart in terms of experience of the world. And that's part of what we've got to learn and listen from one another. So here's what, what uh, I'm thinking that God's calling somebody. God's calling somebody out of it. I'm going to sound the call that there's somebody here that wants to lead us in, in experiences periodically where we just go as a church. My, the first one that I want to do is let's, let's go, all go to the Underground Railroad Museum. Let's go to the Freedom Center. Let's experience that together. Right now, they've they got us one of the, the only copies of the Emancipation Proclamation through June. So I'm going sometime before June. So whoever God's calling, you've you got to answer that call before June because that's when that, that goes. But things like that where we purposefully enter into the brokenness of our history. Now, I know people say, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You know, that's foolish. You know, that's going to destroy the church. Oh, let me be foolish for Jesus and the power of the cross if I'm going to be foolish for anything. Because I can't read this text and see anything else but the power of the blood of Jesus causing us to be one new humanity. And we got a lot of stuff that we got to learn and grow. Now, I know for white folks that are in here, for like, like me, that just brings fear. You know, it brings fear. Oh, man, I'm going to be called a racist. You know, it, it brings guilt. It brings helplessness. Well, you know, don't let that stop you. Deny that. Say, no, this is about living into the power of the cross. Yeah, whatever, if there's ways within me, ways within you that, that are divisive, and let the, gosh, I need the Spirit to show us that so that we'll learn and grow. Don't let the, the guilt or the helplessness, don't let that stop you from doing the very thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And for black folks in here, I, know, I mean, for what I've heard from you largely, when I say stuff like that, you just get exhausted. I mean, I know that because, man, how many times i got to tell this story? And have people deny my experience to my face. I mean, I know that. I mean, you, you shared that with me. And I'm like, oh, man, just keep, don't give up. I mean, if there's any word to any of us, don't give up. This is, like I said, this is not some add-on. This is the power of the blood of Jesus on the cross. It's interesting. This is in Ephesians 2. Paul doesn't get to personal sanctification until Ephesians 4. He doesn't start talking about important things like family and marriage until Ephesians 5. Now, I'm in no way denigrating those things. You know me too well. I'm just saying, how come we didn't also lift up the second part of Ephesians 2 with that same energy? And that's what we got to do. We've got to catch up for that. And, and so I know we all bring such, and the part that makes it difficult is we bring such different perspectives and emotional responses. We, we, but it's in the power of the Spirit and the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross that we venture in to this so that indeed we might live into that one true humanity and truly be a place where God dwells in our midst.
And finally, you know, as, as crazy as this is, I mean, we're one of the leaders in the city. I mean, we've made steps. We, we, this has been an intentional movement of ours. You know, it's been before we've been praying, Lord, let us connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences, for years. And, and in the city, Dennis and I and, and Chappie and a number of us, we go to, we participate in a group of pastors that, that are serious about saying, how do we move into being a multicultural church? And there's about 10 churches that are there. You know, and believe it or not, even with those churches, they're asking us questions. Yeah, we were on a panel last, uh, last month. For a cohort on multicultural churches, well, how, how did you do this and that? And I'm like, you know, we're, we're just two steps ahead of y'all. And as the denomination, you know, that video, a longer version of it, we showed it at the national gathering in, in, in California because there, of the 250 churches that are in Nico, there are four that are identifying clearly as pursuing being a multicultural church. That, that we know of so far, that have been willing to raise their hand. But the leadership of the denomination says, well, th- this is a necessary step that we have to, to do. We, we've got to do this. That's why they asked us to put the video out and say, you know, share with us your ignorance. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but, so I say that to say that, that, that as we're doing this, we've got to take notes. Got to take notes. Because we need to share it with others. You know, I read this the other day. It's the pioneers that get the arrows. It's the settlers that get the land. So just, and as much as I, you know, pioneers are usually defined sociologically as 20%. You know, well, right now in the American church, 13% of churches in America are defined as multicultural. And that's just a basic definition for sociologists. Or 20%, you have 20% you know, of a minority group that are present. But So anyway, all that to say, we're in the pioneer stage. So I'm just here to say, as we continue down this journey, it's, it's not because it's easy or because it's fun. You're going to get um, arrows. And ultimately, if, again, this is true, if this is central to the cross, if Paul puts it in Ephesians, the end of Ephesians 2 because it's that important, it's that necessary, it's that connected to the cross, then it is the power of God in the gospel being lived out to be a church that is in the, it demonstrates that one new humanity, then I can guarantee you the devil will be opposed to it at every stretch. He's all right with churches just sort of staying with the status quo. Yeah, if you're going to keep on going, you're going to stay the sin of your history, you're just going to keep living into that as the American church, great. Go right ahead. But you start taking steps of really living into the power of the blood of Jesus and what he accomplished in his flesh and in his death, then you know there's going to be demonic opposition. So first and foremost, continue to pray that the power of God over the work of the evil one will continue today, just like it did with Jesus and his disciples will continue in us today and recognize that he's the enemy. You know, the person that's different than you, that doesn't understand you or that you don't understand, that's not the enemy. That's actually your brother and sister in Christ. That's actually fellow royalty with you. You know, but our enemy is the evil one who wants to keep the church from being 
that dwelling place of God. What I want us to do, just in closing, I want us to, to read Psalm 79. And it's, a, it's a, one of the lament psalms. Um, one of the prayers of, of lament. Actually, the psalms are filled with them. Almost you know, a third of the psalms are psalms of lament, where we just say, yeah, there's brokenness, man. We, 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 there are ways we have been wrong and broken, and God, you've got to take care of it. You know? and, and, and all the, the, the people around us that make fun of us for being wrong, man, take care of them too. But let us be a people. That really does demonstrate your glory and, and your honor. And, uh, um, but before we do that, just a reminder. Yeah, whoever, when I was sounding that call, I was serious. Um, that there, there's somebody that really feels that sense, that, that sense of call wants to really um, be in that, that place. Um, l- listen for God's call and I'll uh, continue to be asking along the way but uh don't block my phone number (laughs) let's uh let's pray together using psalm 79 do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors let your compassion come speedily to meet us for we are brought very low help us O god of our salvation For the glory of your name, deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to your great power. Preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the bosom of our neighbors the taunts which they taunted you, O Lord. Then we, your people, the flock of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Let's continue in prayer. Almighty God, we... Marvel when we consider the power of your cross. When we we consider all that the shed blood of Jesus accomplished. And as we we just prayed, we, we cry out to you. For those that have gone before us and for us. Ways that we diminish, that we short arm your power. Ways that we compartmentalize it or even make some of it optional or just don't see it. Whatever it might have been, we recognize today the full extent of the work of the cross. Now, we probably don't understand the full extent. Maybe we understand it more. Continue to show us. Open our eyes as a people. Open our spirit to the full extent of the cross. So that indeed your name would be glorified. That that your, your church would show forth what it means to be unified in Jesus above all else.
and, and Lord, you know, we're, we're coming in on an election season. So we really need to show that unity in Jesus. And no matter what, no matter what our differences might be, Lord, help us keep Jesus at the center, at the core, to be our all in all together. And Almighty God, we, we pray for one another. We lift up one another before you now. We come and lay them before you. Whatever the needs and concerns around us, whatever the brokenness might be, the, the, what, the health concerns, job concerns, family concerns, whatever they might be, Lord, we lift up one another, lay on our own hearts and minds individuals that are in need of your healing touch. And, and we continue to, to lift up before you Sandy Goslink and Marina Coys, Nick Yaw. Pray your, your healing upon them. We, we give you thanks for Jan Osborne and Bob Spellman being released from the hospital and pray your continued healing power upon them. Now, uh, Almighty God, we come together in one voice, seeking to be your people together, to, to live into the fullness of the power of the blood of Jesus. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.